All right, good morning, everyone. AT&T says it's 9 o'clock on my phone, so we will get started. We only have two more classes and a final, and we are finished with this class. And today we are going to be talking about the smart board and how to make a smart board lesson. And I'm going to give you some time to be building your lesson because we're going to have a pretty basic rubric of just five things that we're going to have in our smart notebook file that you'll create for your last project for this class. So I have updated our schedule for today for week 14. If you want to go ahead and follow along as we do that, um, we're going to have a little bit of a music theme to some of our videos and uh, our app share for today. Yes? Yeah. Huh? The last thing that the the last thing? Yeah. Well, we have we have six projects in the whole class. So if you take a look at our syllabus, um, and how your grade is calculated in this class, if I can find it, this is this is your your grade, your Pentecucci, your Google Reader, your Scratch Project, your Screencast, your Smartboard lesson, and your unit plan. We just flip the unit plan and the Smartboard lesson um, in the in the order that they are. So we've also got our blog reflections and our class attendance. So that's that's how our grade is obtained. So. This will not be a killer assignment, I promise. It is not going to be, uh, you know, like let's spend hours and hours doing a scratch project. So if you're not already, please check in on our attendance for today. Um, I want to basically, I, I have two videos that I want to share that I'm really excited about. Well, actually, I think three. Uh, so I could probably teach a whole class that's just great videos for learning. Anybody heard of History for Teachers or Music for History Lovers? Anybody heard of this group before? <clears throat> so you're a, you're a high school history teacher. You're teaching the French Revolution. Here's a video that you might want to use.
All right. Take about 60 seconds. Talk with your neighbor. Why do you think that should or should not be used in a high school history class? How many times have you seen it so far? What if you saw it ten times? Then I could probably. Are you a Lady Gaga fan? Do you think that would affect your interest in listening to that song? I would probably. I'd probably listen to the original song if I hadn't heard it before to see what it was. Okay. What other thoughts? Uh-huh. Right, like what were some of the things that you might connect with if you were, like, anybody pick up on any vocabulary? Yeah. Like, what? what? I don't know, people like Robespierre. Robespierre was in there? Guillotine? To a state? We're speaking in some ways from the fact that probably most of us have taken those classes that we are familiar with. Because I, I, I do agree that, I mean, like, to an extent, there's, there's enough pictures that you can kind of get an idea of what's going on. But at the same time, there's just so much of her dancing and looking funky. This is a, for, like, a substitute of teaching that, that I, I, Well, no, I understand. I'm just saying that I feel like you'd be looking at, the, at her more than you would be thinking about what she's saying, unless they were trying to compare it to the original song. Well, how does this contrast to a typical history textbook? I think it tends to turn a, an extremely serious and horrific period in history into a... Making light of some tragedy? Yeah. Okay. Well, when do you study the French Revolution in high school? French Revolution occurred late 1700s. I think it was 1805 or something like that, wasn't it, that Napoleon took over? I don't know about you, but I'm always kind of confused by European history because we spend so much time on U.S. history. And Napoleon, you got to know he was there, but, like, how did that, you know, sequence? So you probably studied in a world history class. Well, I know, 
Well, I mean, who tends to teach most history classes? Coaches. And there are some great coaches that are not only great coaches, but great teachers. Those people tend to be rare, however, and they, in a lot of schools tend to put the coach in the class they think doesn't matter, you know, which is history or social studies. I'm a history and social studies person. I love those topics. I think it's so important that we learn from the past and that we understand that, you know, history is, history is lived. I mean, that's why oral history is an important thing. Talk to people who really live through through history. Okay, but then again, I mean, I definitely, I agree with the thing of, you know, watching the same little boring videos from whoever knows when. I mean, I like some of them, but most of them, not so much. But, like, my dad ended up teaching me <laughs> most of my history classes, but he always incorporates something different and interesting that wasn't just textbook-oriented. But, I mean, it wasn't always, I mean, you could do a music video, but, I mean, it's based on the selection of what music video you would choose, mm -hmm. as well as, I mean, there's other things that were incorporated, like, when they were learning about stocks and stuff, there was a sample, like, free game where you could actually, like, mm -hmm. without parents' permission, but, like, you play, a play a simulation of stocks, or, like, you would find the really odd, quirky facts, mm -hmm. for example, in Chinese history, that's always really confusing, mm -hmm. you know, that would make you remember that person that you would never think of. So, I mean, and he would incorporate that, he'd do games, stuff like that, that always have to be something like this. Well, active learning is always going to be better than passive learning, as far as memory. And a lot of times what sticks in our head are stories and little facts, real interesting things. You know, maybe we get the big picture from the small rather than we get the small from the big. What is the method they're using in this video to try and help you get content? They have images, right? There's a lot of images. True. What else? Words. You know, the studies have shown if you simply turn on closed captioning on your television for any kind of video that you show, that will increase retention. A lot of people learn language, learn English, by turning closed captioning on their television. In your classroom, turn the, tur the closed captioning on. Why? Because students will attend to the text along with attending to what they're hearing and what they're seeing. I do like that. I do like that word. Right. And weren't there some words you picked up on? Like Sue, they said uh, they went from eight Sue to 12 in a year or something. I'm like, what's a Sue? You know, but I'm wondering that. And I would not have picked that up, you know, if the word had not been on the screen. So that's a lesson as far as video. And in a lot of the DVDs that you have, and a lot of television programs too, closed captioning is something you can just turn on. So just do that. Do that on your classroom. Kids may be like, I want to have that on. Well, too bad. You know, we're, we're going to turn that on because studies show we will learn more. All of us will learn more. It's like automatic. You cannot help your brain from looking at words as well as images that are on here. So you all brought up a lot of different issues about this. You brought up how this isn't a replacement for the curriculum. You know, this might make light of some really serious issues. 
This could help kids possibly pick up on vocabulary and make connections. You know, maybe you don't lead with this video. Maybe this is something that you show later. Um, whenever you use media, it's a good idea to have to use it in short clips. Don't show, you know, an hour-long deal without taking breaks and asking questions. But, you know, there's a lot of different vocabulary in here. You could have kids jigsawed based off of the vocabulary in here. You could give them a, a sheet, and here you're going to have Sue. You're going to have Robespierre. You're going to have uh, a, the three estates. You're going to have guillotine. You're going to have fr fraternity. Um, you're going to have equality, you know, all those different things. I would definitely say that watching it twice, mm -hmm. I, I just would say even if you led with this and then gave them the sheet mm -hmm. or something like that, search for these words or, you know, do something like that, I sure. think that would definitely help because I feel like this is something that you could get better the second time. Oh, around. you know what? Every single video that's good is like that. You will get more things out of it the next time. You'll be like, "Oh, I didn't notice that." It, because you're building background knowledge, and you're just your brain is processing. This is a fairly overwhelming video to watch visually because there's so much going on. One of the things I think we do too much of in school is we oversimplify the world. You know, the world is complex. History is complex. Politics are complex. Math is complex, and the brain actually likes complex a lot more than simple, but we try in some cases to oversimplify. It's why media projects and video projects can actually be very engaging for students because there's a lot that you have to do and contend with. So this channel is called um, History Teachers. This is just a, their YouTube channel. They have 53 different videos. You can see all the ones that they've done. Um, is this legal? Is this copyright legal? What have they done here? Yeah, but do you think they're getting any money from this? You don't? How do people on YouTube make money? Oh, yeah. People make hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on YouTube from their videos. But who's paying? How does that happen? Right. So you'll have pre-roll um, ads that will come up. And when I click on here, they may... They actually don't have um, the advertising turned on right here. There's a lot of different things that are on here, but I just I thought this was pretty amazing. Um, a the chair of the English department at Norman North High School was judging the state debate tournament um, this last week, and that's how I heard about it. So um, I don't know. It doesn't appear that they've got ads turned on, so this, this may not, they may not be doing um, ads to profit. Um, they've remixed songs that other people have, have made, but they've done their own version. They are doing it for an educational purpose. The claim here is fair use, right? They're, they're really going to claim this is fair use. So um, this is more than likely um, fine. It doesn't mean someone can't come along and sue them, but they would have a pretty strong fair use defense, especially if they're not running ads on these. Uh, you can see that they've got a total of 2.1 million views. You can subscribe once you log in to uh, YouTube. Uh, you may know this or not, but you can subscribe to see um, updates. They have got both their Facebook page linked here as well as their Twitter page. So um, I think that it's this is basically two people. If you go to their Twitter page, um, they have got 
their names on their Twitter page, and they spell history teachers with a Z. I think it's Emily, no, Amy and Irv, and Irv. And they're in Hawaii. Two kooky teachers making history-based pop music parodies. Um, check out our channel. So different ways that you can follow them. You could follow them on Twitter. You could follow them on Facebook. You could subscribe to them here. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's good to know about. The history teacher that I, or the English teacher I talked to was using one of the videos about Beowulf and she had embedded it into her Moodle that she's using. We have WebCT Blackboard. Moodle is what they're using in Norman and a lot more schools, K-12 schools, will be using Moodle, which is, which is similar. But um, anyway, I think that's good to know about. I think there's a lot of good issues that that raises. And, you know, we live in this media world. I don't think we want to just let's have students watch video. I think we want to help them create video. But every time you look at video and you analyze it, you get different ideas for things that you might do with your video and how are you going to communicate. And is all this factually correct, right? As a history person, we can look at this. Are we just going to uh, you know, believe it? These are history teachers in Hawaii, but does that mean they don't make any mistakes? The other thing I think is it'd be great for students to have these on their mobile devices because like I asked, the first time we've seen it, you're going to get more out of it the second time? Absolutely. And, you know, you're probably not going to be able to pass a final or write a good five-paragraph essay based on that alone. But depending on the kind of learner you are, some people are really musically oriented. I'm the kind of person that I always have a song in my head. I don't know why, but I always do. And so if I am seeing something multiple times, I don't know. I may or may not be watching it a lot, but if I have that opportunity to have it on my device and we're studying the French Revolution and the final's coming up, I don't know. Maybe that's going to affect my learning. I think there's a good chance that it would. So that's history for music lovers. Um, next video I want to show, I want to talk a little real quickly about STEM. Have you heard of STEM before? Have I mentioned it? Science, technology, engineering, and math? We've got a big focus on STEM today. Um, there are some different organizations that are focused on trying to promote science, technology, engineering, and math. As you probably know, uh, Sputnik was launched in, what, 59? Um, can you find, it, what, find out about Sputnik? How could you do that quickly? Yep, go to Google. When was, when was Sputnik launched? Fifty-seven. Okay, I was two years off. So, you know, Sputnik was launched in 57. The world was terrified. We had this glowing light that was going around the Earth, and this, the Russians, the Soviets at the time, had launched this, and America was behind. It launched the space race, and by 1969, in July, we had, what, landed the first human being on the moon. Neil Armstrong um, was the first person to set foot on the moon, and we had all this focus on, on science and engineering. So um, I ran across a couple, one video that I'm going to show, and then this other one it reminded me of that. Um, we need to inspire kids to think about science and to think about math and technology as really cool, awesome things to be doing. And of course, Apple and other companies who are creating products like the iPad and the iPhone are doing a lot to help this. But um, check this out. This is a 30-second ad from Intel, and this is the guy who invented the USB technology. 
So I think that's a pretty sweet ad. Um, we need to help inspire kids. And there is not a price you can put on inspiration. There's a lot of places where it's not cool to be smart. It's not cool to be a geek. It's not cool to like math or to like science. And you're not necessarily going to have an you won't have an impact on everybody, but maybe in the way that you teach and the things that you share, you can inspire kids to think about their future and to think about the amazing opportunities we have in our world today. One of the things technology should mean for us is that I could live anywhere and be influenced and have access to the best ideas in the world. Um, do a quick Google search for Abraham Lincoln. What do you uh, think about when I say Abraham Lincoln? What are, do you have any stories that come to mind or what besides Civil War? What, what do you think about for him? Honest Abe, that's right. What else? Failed all those times, but yet persevered. Do you, what do you know about Lincoln and his education? Do you, have you heard any urban legends or myths or, or stories? Yeah, by himself. What? Learning in a log cabin uh, by candlelight. You know, that's one of the things that, oh, yeah, he was in a log cabin and he just read all this and he became a lawyer. He's from Illinois. Okay, let's think about the Abe Lincoln learner today. You've got access to high-speed Internet. You've got access to a computer. Does that mean you are going to become the next Abraham Lincoln automatically? No. I have a, a friend who's a professor at North Texas, and his sister teaches in Amarillo. Do you know what her kids want to do all the time on the Internet? Watch wrestling videos. Okay, This is all they want to do, and it's a challenge. You know, How are you going to help somebody's focus go beyond what they know? If all the people I hang out with like to watch wrestling videos, guess what I'm going to probably do? I'm going to hang out and watch wrestling videos and, and, and you know, I don't have a total answer to this, but I do know exposing people to other ideas and helping show them that there's another world out there, a big world out there, that is filled with opportunity can be a really pivotal thing. So, let's take a look at this little video talking about STEM careers and possibilities. Here at Oak Ridge National Laboratory, we're tackling some of the most important problems facing the world. We're using our neutrons, our high-performance computing, and our understanding of materials to find better solutions for energy, for national security, for the environment. Are you ready to help us with that mission? working on a project for the National Guard, uh, trying to determine which uh, cities with major metropolitan areas are going to be coming out of the recession. I've been working with carbon fiber and polymer composite research and creating preforms and panels with the robot behind me. I'm working on a project called Synthesedia. It's sponsored by the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, where it's um, sort of like Wikipedia or Facebook or Twitter, it allows people to socially network through sensors throughout the country. We're studying uh, nuclear reactions that occur in stars. I've worked on three main projects that all deal with carbon flux in the soil and in trees. This summer I'm working on climate models and how uh, climate change is affecting biodiversity uh, on our planet. So I came here as a postdoc 
cannot take it 23 years and I, there's not a single day that I was not excited about coming to work. Why is that? It's because we have the world's greatest unique facilities that allows us to imagine solving some of the important challenges. We've got some, uh, some challenges out there in terms of um, resources, energy, fuel price, and we need really talented people with really good ideas to help us um, address these challenges. It's almost like the next Manhattan Project. We need the best and brightest minds to help us uh, address our energy challenges. When I came to the lab, I don't want to play in a sandbox and just publish a great paper. That's great for people who want to do that, and I think that's necessary and needed. But being able to actually reach out and impact society. Our lab, the Oak Ridge National Lab, does that better than any national laboratory in the country. I feel like the research that we do here is important because we're looking at something that the American public is very interested in, so global climate change. And so I think that's really easy to translate to students coming here, that that's important because they're reading it every day in the newspaper. So if they think about carbon dioxide or, or carbon trading or, or anything like that, I think that it can really strike home that if you can explain to them why, if they're looking at this particular rate or this particular piece of soil, how that translates to the global carbon cycle and why that's important to us as a society. I think there are lots of implications there. The uh, Western economies uh, through the 20th century really took advantage of advances that were made at the end of the 19th century in terms of thermodynamics and electromagnetic theory and turned that into an industrial powerhouse. But we're now having to move beyond that economy, beyond that era of, of uh, the fossil age, and uh, those who figure out those solutions for the future will be uh, creating the world that our children and grandchildren will inhabit. You're working in an environment where there are colleagues, other students, other postdocs, but also bright, young, and experienced scientists who challenge you. But then again, this is an environment where you get to challenge them, because the, the science is give and take. But most importantly, we, we have the global reach from, from this uh, laboratory where we have scientists from all over the world who come here, people that you have read in your textbooks, that you've heard about. They come here if sometimes for a day to give a seminar, sometimes to come and work with us for a week or a month or a year or two. And so this really is science is a contact sport, and the reason why you're here is you get to contact, you get to touch, you get to interact with the brightest minds in the world, uh, work with the best, fastest, most unique new facilities in the world, and really some of the most challenging scientific problems. It is, it is like going to Disney World, only better. I would recommend the Volkswagen program to my friends, and I would tell them that it's an incredible opportunity to learn and to get hands-on experience with automotive-related research. I like getting to work in the lab, and uh, I like the people I work with, and getting to come outside and work directly in the soil and build with the plants. It's been a lot of fun. The thing I love about being an intern at ORNL is the diversity and the, the things that I'm exposed to here. Um, like I know that I will ever be working at a national laboratory ever. It's, it's great. I, I would highly recommend this program to my colleagues. I think that uh, this program really allows teachers to experience science in its uh, natural environment uh, and seeing science as it's really done and not just portrayed in a classroom setting. The coolest thing about ORNL is probably the diversity of people out here. I think the neatest thing about ORNL is the community. You walk around and you know that people are doing science here, research here, and that 
Uh, it's just an interesting group to go to different talks, hear what everybody's doing, and it creates a community that you only really get on university campuses and places like this. Are you ready to dig a little deeper? Are you ready for the world's fastest supercomputer? Are you ready to advance solar energy in the United States? Are you ready to transform the nature of transportation? So, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you ready to join us at Oak Ridge National Laboratory as one of the next generation of scientists? Seconds, I want you to talk about what age student do you think this video and videos like this would be best to show um, in class and why? By a show of hands, how many of you said high school age kids? How many of you said middle school age kids? Anybody say elementary age kids? Nobody. Is there an option for no kids? No kids. You don't think so? I feel. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I actually watch documentaries. <laughs> uh huh. And so, like, I mean, if it was my personal choice, if I was watching that, I mean, I might show part of it. Uh huh. But I would seriously probably cut it. Mm -hmm. Because it's so, the six minutes, I mean, I was, after the first minute and a half, I was gone. And so, I mean. So how are your kids going to do when you're talking for 45 minutes to them? Yeah, I know. They're actually interesting to say, huh? Yeah. I mean, at, you know, changing things up and having video and having activities, this is an essential part of what we've got to think about. Exactly. Like when I was at Fort Sill last week, they were saying they no longer do 40 hours of their first aid altogether. They break it up, and you do first aid, and then you're going to go to this, and then you're going to go to this, and you're going to do things at the same time because the real world is multitasking. It's not just, okay, first aid, 40 hours, let's go. So, you know, I'm going to argue any level. I mean, when do you decide that you're going to stick it out to get through all the math and the science that you're going to have to do to get to go somewhere like this? I'm going to say it's fifth grade, or it's sixth grade, or it's middle school, or it's early. It sucks to take calculus. Anybody here taking calc? All right. I had to take more engineering than I ever wanted to at the Air Force Academy because it didn't matter what your major was. You had we had fuzzy, you know, classes. But aero, astro, electrical, mechanical, civil, all that stuff. Um, it's hard. And you have got to be motivated and have a, have a passion to see what you're, you know, why is it that I want to do this? In a lot of cases, kids get the wrong idea about science, that it is about memorizing a bunch of stuff. And you do memorize stuff. However, science is about doing things. It's about inventing things. It's about making things. How many of you have seen the movie Meet the Robinsons? Have you seen this movie? Love this movie. Okay, what's Wilbur's theme? Keep what? Keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Let's invent the future. We've really got to think about inspiring kids. I believe, and my children are now 13, 11, and 7, or 10 and 7. You know, I've got to 
take them to college campuses now. I've got to help them see what you know, exciting things scientists can do. I need them to see role models um, of people who are, who are women, if they're women, right? my girls are. You know, kids who are African-American need to see African-Americans. They need to see people who are similar to them doing things like this. I just don't think we can put a price on inspiration, and we need to remember that kids form their ideas early about these things. Um, does anybody know someone who's gone to the Oklahoma School of Math and Science? OSSM? So what do you know about OSSM? Because I didn't really know a lot about this. Does anybody know anything about it? They have to live there, right? What grades is it? Junior and senior. Okay, it's last two years of high school. How much does it cost to go? Free. It's free. They don't have any sports teams. They study. You can pretty much write your own ticket to go any any college that you want if you go to OSSM. They only let in, I think, about 125 or 150 kids per year. They're doubling their dorm size, so they're going to. I think they're going to increase their enrollment. The girl we used to commute with um, down to Classen when we still lived in Edmond um, had applied, and she just got to the interview level. You know, we've got schools in Oklahoma that forbid this school from coming to their school to recruit. They forbid them to come. Why? Because we're going to lose those kids. And we're going to lose those test scores. And isn't that what life's all about? Making myself look good with good test scores? We have immoral things happening in the world of education. Let your kids know about possibilities. You know, we may not be able to take many field trips, but through video, through the activities that we do, um, and how about this? Have we talked a little bit in this class? about making math engaging. You know, scratch, you can do all kinds of things. But remember, Seymour Papert, who helped develop the whole philosophy here, wanted to create an environment where you had to speak math just like you have to breathe air. Or just like you speak English, right? If you want to make the sprite move, you got to do something with coordinates. You do. It's not optional. And so I just really want to encourage you so think about inspiring your kids and use media, use video, not only to get their attention and to help them focus, but also get them to think about what it is they want to do with their lives and how they can impact the world and make a difference. Not everybody is going, you know, to want to study engineering, science, and math, but we are the people who will probably make the biggest impact on kids um, who will. Um, parents will as well, but, but teachers have a huge opportunity to be able to do that. Yes, I'm not a doctor yet, but I'm working on it. Another October Sky. Who's seen October Sky? Isn't that amazing? And that's what, do you remember the na his name? Homer. Homer Hickam? Yeah, that is awesome. You know, and that's a great thing too. Do you all use IMDb? IMDb is a free app you can get for your iPhone or iPad, and it's awesome because you can uh, look up, like, here's the star, Jake. We can see all the different films, his filmography of things that he's been on, um, as well as October Sky, all his, all his videos or movies and things. So, yeah, and, and turning kids on to this, too, right? Because it, a Hollywood movie like that that you're going to see that is made to, you know, entertain I mean, and engage. He himself up from being a Coal miner son, you know, yep. the only future he had was, you know, in a coal mine getting cancer or something like his father.
right? Instead, he decided to buckle down and really study his math. Right. Right. And you know, I don't, have any of you uh, flown rockets before? Launch model rockets. When I was in seventh grade, we had a power and energy class. It was a terrible teacher. Um, he like took apart lawnmowers, but the coolest thing we did was we learned about four cycle engines and all this. Like the only time I think I ever did that in all of my schooling. Um, but we launched rockets. We built rockets and we put engines in them and we launched them and we learned about a lot of science. It was very cool. So, you know, don't tell kids you're going to have to wait till, you know, you're in graduate school before you get to do an experiment. <laughs> you know, let's do experiments now. Let's ask good questions now. Let's think about solving big problems. Most of the breakthroughs in the, in the world, in the history of the world, have happened by young people who, didn't, who weren't told and hadn't been jaded to say, you can't solve this to solve it. When did Einstein have his breakthroughs? It was when he was young. Why do we have such a focus on young people at OSSM and other places that, you know, we want to help channel them and, and, and empower them to go? They're, they're some of the ones that are going to solve these problems and solve these issues. Um, last thought about this. I don't have this one linked. But uh, I listened to a great podcast uh, just called the NPR Technology Podcast. I don't have time to listen to the radio a whole lot, but I can subscribe to a podcast, download it, and then listen to it, you know, whenever, if I'm in the car or on a walk or whatever. And um, one of the shows that they just did was about an artificial leaf. And in 1998, somebody demonstrated that you could create an artificial leaf. What does a leaf do? What does it take and what does it make? Inputs to a leaf. I'm talking about trees and plants. What, is it, what does it take? It takes the sun, energy, and carbon dioxide. And what does it do? Oh, it also takes something else. We have to like, water. yeah, stuff we don't have a lot of in Oklahoma right now. Water. <laughs> okay. What does it do to the water molecule? Water is what? What's the uh, molecule? H2O. What does it do to H2O? Splits it, right? Into hydrogen and oxygen. That's why leaves create oxygen. That's why we need the rainforest and all that stuff. So they, cre they, in 1998, demonstrated that they could make an artificial leaf, but they had used space-age technology from NASA that cost a ton. Now they have created a leaf, a, a researcher at MIT has, and it is used um, what he calls earth-abundant earth materials. And so um, this is really, really exciting, because if you think about putting water with sunlight and making hydrogen, and then having a hydrogen engine that produces oxygen and produces water um, as its byproduct, that's pretty exciting. So. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would hope we're pretty close to some kind of big energy breakthrough. And um, we need to help inspire our kids to think about those things and being a part of those things. All right. So that was a very long video intro. Um, the app share for today is GarageBand. Um, how many of you have ever created music on a computer before? Has anybody ever done that? So one of the ways that you learn how to... Um, create with anything is by jumping in and trying it. I have not had an opportunity to play extensively with this program. I've only actually had it maybe two weeks. Um, and I, I just have not played with it a lot. These are all the different apps that I have um, that, that are for music. Um, my girls love this one. Thank you. 
called VBOT. Um, you can change this to be a lot, I mean, a lot of different, different things. I don't know that you can record. I don't know that you can record on this one. Um, is anyone here a piano player? Okay. Um, anybody want to come, come play a little bit? I can't play. I didn't have well, I mean, I can't play very well either. Do you want to try something? Sure. I think. Okay, there it is. multi-touch. Um, there's different ways that you can flip it around. We can play a duet together, you know, on, on either side. Um, that's called Virtuoso. This is uh, one called Magic Piano, and there's different songs, and so if you kind of know the um, song that you want to do, you can sort of play it. kinds of other things. There's freestyle that you can do. You can go to the world and see, oh, I'm not connected to the internet. If you do, where people are playing, and you can actually listen to them play um, over over the internet. It'll it'll let you uh, listen to them if they want to, want to share or whatever. Um, this is a very fun musical app called Singing Fingers. I just found this. Um, this was developed at MIT in the Lifelong Kindergarten group, and what you do is you say, I want to create a new... Um, I want to create something new, and, oh, uh, geez, what am I going to say? Um, <laughs> my mind's a blank. My mind's a blank. My mind's a blank. My mind's a blank. <laughs> I'm trying to think of... Um, Lord, I was born a rambling man. Lord, I was born a rambling man. Lord, I was born a rambling man. You can have fun with the recording, right? Sing something, say something. Wherever you move your mouse, it makes a recording, and then you can go in and play that later. That's called Singing Fingers. That's free. Um, I don't know how to play pocket guitar. There's another one called Shred that my friend... Kevin Honeycutt, who is a guitar player, really, really loves a lot. Um, he likes to do. This is GarageBand, and uh, this is a $5 app. This is the official one that I was going to show. Um, so you go ahead and create a new song. You can use keyboard, drums, uh, guitar, audio record, the sampler. And then there's also these smart instruments that you can do. So we'll do the smart guitar. And what this is going to do, depending on how I have the autoplay set, is it's going to go ahead and play uh, chords or notes. If I just want to do notes... Better. 
metronome on, I can record, um, and there's all, all these different kinds of instruments that I can do, and I can put these things together. GarageBand, I know from um, being a being a program that, that is loop-based to be able to make loops and, and put in different kinds of uh, instruments. opportunities that your students could have to create music. Maybe it's just for fun, but maybe they integrate music in their projects. Maybe they create a video, and part of what you give them as a challenge is to include some original music that they create. And GarageBand is just one program that you can use to do that. Um, is it a, a $5 total to buy? Yeah, I mean, the iPad's, the iPad's $500, obviously, but yeah, the app itself for GarageBand is a four four ninety nine. Um, I don't think so. This one is iPad only. If they have a little plus by them, they work on both. But this particular one, I think, because of the size that you need and everything, it's iPad only. Um, iMovie is one that works on both. But as one of my friends said, doing an iMovie on your iPhone is a little bit like painting on a grain of rice. It's a little challenging. Having that larger area is is a good thing. So on our Story Chaser site, we've got um, an informational wiki with resources, and in addition to uh, lots and lots of websites where you can find music, and I think next week I'll probably talk more about digital storytelling. Um, GarageBand is the Mac program, but I learned about this. This is called MixCraft, and this is a GarageBand-like song for Windows. So if you have a Windows computer, you might check out MixCraft. I'm going to guess it's around $100. I don't know. Let's check it out, how much it is. Yeah, $74, $75. So it's not free. But um, anyway, I think musical apps and things like that are, are pretty cool. And, um, of course, there's all kinds of science and things like that that go into into um, music that, that we could do about, talk about. So that was a long introduction. But I think that's, that's pretty fun. I was able to get results for our video scavenger hunt for our class, but I did not have time to go through all the ones for the 11 o'clock class. And that's not the right link. There we go. Um, congratulations to Tara, Brittany, and your other two partners. Uh, who else was in that uh, in the group that, that did these videos? Okay. If you will send me a message to let me know that you're part of this group, the um, blog post that, that Tara wrote didn't include um, everybody's name. So um, we had two different scavenger hunt contend contenders, 
And so this group got uh, ten, ten different videos. Hopefully <laughs> <Okay>. the fastest <laughs> The three-second video, yay! Um, so you can kind of check those out. I, um, we had two in the thematic, and this was actually really hard to uh, pick the winner. The, uh, the second place, I want to say, did a great job the way they structured their project. They had an introduction. They had their video interviews. They even had some excitement with a longboarder who was longboarding. They had a nice conclusion. However, um, the winning video in our thematic category went to the exercise for wellness. And one of the reasons was because as they set up their videos, they had done all their, their question asking before. So the people that they interviewed just go right to the answers. We'll just play a little bit of this one. Go. I'm Johnny Watley. I'm the fitness coordinator for the UCL Wellness Center. Uh, exercise is important for several different reasons. As we age, our body will lose muscle mass if we don't uh, continue to do resistance training. So the physical part of exercise actually works on our heart, too. Our heart is a muscle. Like Okay, we won't play the whole thing. Um, when you're doing video projects like this and you don't have an opportunity to edit, it's really good to have that conversation with people before you go ahead and hit record and then you know you're gonna you're gonna have sort of the meat of the video you know come up first and so this group did a really good job you both groups actually did great and that was that was a hard decision to make for both of them so um, congratulations to those groups for their extra credit and uh, we'll have I'll I'll have the 11 a.m. that for some reason we had a lot more submissions in the 11 o'clock section so um, I'll probably share those uh, next week or a little bit about those as well uh-huh, five extra credit points in the course, yeah, for that everybody in that group. So that will show up in WebCT. I'll, I'll put that in as a zero-point assignment, and then the uh, teams that were up, the people that were on those teams will get five um, extra points. Um, I promised you that I would say topics for the final. Basically, the final is going to be a 20-question um, multiple-choice quiz, and it is gonna, it's going to be over the different topics that we've had for the class. It's going to be more definitions, okay? So just think about what definitions are, um, and you might want to particularly review some of the things about copyright and creative commons. I can guarantee you there'll be more than one question about copyright, creative commons, and fair use. Um, but there's going to basically be uh, at least one question from each one of our uh, resource sections that we have from, from our website. And um, it's not going to be a real gotcha uh, difficult thing. Um, it's going to be multiple choice and we'll, we'll do it in WebCT. Let's talk about interactive white, well, okay, before we talk about interactive whiteboards, anybody have any comments or questions that you'd like to ask about anything other than interactive whiteboards? Questions about the unit plan or anything else? On the unit plan, um, like, basically, I know in that, um, that we got is quite a bit longer. Right. I know that you talked to it. Don't do a, uh, right, right. So basically, we could just kind of say, like, what kind of technology we want, and then, then do something like an interactive type of assignment. Yep. And, and that would be sufficient. Well, I mean, down here, we've got our rubric, right? Three things that you want. Make sure you have some past standards, like three, you know, don't, don't right. get 20. Um, require the creation of some kind of a product. You decide what it is. I don't want, hey, they're just going to make a PowerPoint about rocks. I mean, right. have something um, that's requiring some higher order thinking and, and, and think about how you're going to do that. 
and then use some of your language from Bloom's taxonomy, some of the stuff we went over yesterday, um, or not yesterday, last week, about that. Another way to think about this is how, many, how much time to spend. I know when we did the Scratch Project from reading your blog posts and talking to you, you all, I mean, some, we spent hours and hours and hours doing this, okay? I would say don't spend more than two hours on this. Now, this is a deal. If you're staying here at UCO and being certified, it goes in your portfolio. You want this to look good, okay? You don't want it to look sloppy. But at the same time, don't spend six hours on this, all right? Don't, um, don't kill yourself because those are the three requirements and uh, you need to be exposed to this lesson plan format. We've been talking about having students create projects and different tools for, for, for doing those. You know, use it. You can use any of the tools that we used in our class from Google Reader to Scratch um, to um, Screencast. I mean, any, any of that stuff. And make any assumptions you want about the resources. You know, I'm a 10th grade teacher and all my kids have laptops. So that's, you know, you don't have to... Um, you know, assume today, which is which is basically we don't have very much in a lot of schools. I mean, you'll usually have a computer lab that you can go to. Any other questions about the unit plan or? So where was that list uh, for the review? The, the checklist? Uh -huh. Okay, if you click assignments, it's right here at the end. See how I have all the weeks listed here? The last link that I've got there is the checklist. And so that lists exactly what is on each quiz. If, if you didn't, um, you know, submit one of the quizzes, I'm, I am caught up on my WebCT email. Um, as far as everybody who needed a quiz reset or something like that, if for some reason you didn't, you know, get the right link or you were missing something, and I just said, please resubmit that for full credit. And um, I, you haven't submitted one of those, please make sure you that, that you do. Um, because I can't give you a grade if you don't have anything submitted. Um, you can see that we would like to have your unit plans submitted Friday. You know, that, that would be a goal. Uh, and then your smart board lesson by the end of, of next week. Um, next week uh, in class, I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll talk about a, you know, a cutoff date. Um, because you can submit any of, of the things that you haven't done yet. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, although the syllabus says late, I'm, I'm giving you full credit for your turn-in of your assignment, but I'll ha we'll have a date and I'll figure out what that is next week on, you know, you're going to have to have all your stuff in, because obviously I've got to turn in all the grades. Are we meeting for the finals since you We are. We'll meet face-to-face -face and, and it'll be done here. Um, and do we know what our schedule is, what the, what the t time is for our schedule? I'll find that out too. I mean, I would think it'd be the regular class time that week. But does UCO, do they give us a different time for a final? Yeah. yeah, so I'll find out what that is and then let you know next week. I mean, hopefully it'll just be our regular class time. But if they said to do something different, then we'll do something different. Wait, when is the time Ideally, uh, Friday. As soon as you can. Okay. Again, don't spend more than two hours on it. You do not have to submit it into the um, the portfolio system for your grade in the class. You just turn it into WebCT. But you'll want to turn it into the portfolio system to Passport so you can get credit for that part of your portfolio. Okay. Any other questions about any of that? Okay. Well, let's launch into our interactive whiteboard discussion. And I am not 
an incredible fan of interactive whiteboards, and you can go ahead and link to our interactive whiteboard resource page if you want. But I have mixed feelings about it. You know, if you do not have, and we've got, we've got teachers that don't have today a data projector or a television in their room, I mean, and even if you just have a TV, that's not nearly as good as a projector or a large format tele, you know, television like an LCD. It really is a big deal to have a whiteboard. Now, interactive whiteboard or IWB is the best way to think about these because you probably don't say tissue. Here, I'm going to blow my nose. Hand me a tissue. What do you say? Or do you say tissue? Hand me a Kleenex, right? Kleenex is the generic. Smart board in some places is, has become the generic. Oh, well, let's use the smart board. Well, there's a lot of different kinds of interactive whiteboards, a lot of different companies selling these. School districts are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on whiteboards, and this is one of the things that we're required to teach everybody and to have an assignment on in this class. Um, nothing is probably bad to be exposed to as far as a technology technique or strategy. It is good to, to have some awareness about what's available and to actually have some skills in creating a lesson for an interactive whiteboard. So our purpose in this, uh, this unit is basically to become aware of what's available and get some basic literacy about how do I create a lesson for the smart board. And that's what we're going to do today. So um, I didn't even read the definition. If I was going to define whiteboard, not looking at this, I would just basically say it's a touch-sensitive surface that uh, is connected to your computer. Okay. Have, have you heard of the, of the smart board that a guy created with the Wii remote? Have you all seen that before? I didn't put this in there either, but... It is. Okay. So our regular, regular time on, on that Wednesday. All right. Great. Um, now my screen's frozen. If you just go to Google and, and Google uh, Wii remote, W-I-I remote, uh, smart board. I have made my web browser freak out. All right, so here's a teachable moment. What do you do when your browser freezes and you can't X out? You can't do anything? And you're in front of your class teaching? Ah! What do you do? <laughs> you tell a story. Let me tell you a war story. No. What can we do with the technology to fix this? There you go. Con Unplug it. Well, before that, <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete will bring up the logout menu and the task manager on a Windows computer. And so usually you can see all the things that are running. And if something is hogging the system, see how that's 49%? That's taking half my CPU right now, Internet Explorer. Something's just, you know, locked it up. I can click on um, one of these things. And if you click CPU, it will show you what's, what's taken up, you know, most of, the t most of it. So I'm just going to force quit my browser. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to quit it. That was Control-Alt-Delete. And then we'll go back into it. Okay, so back to interactive whiteboard. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of, of whiteboards. Um, and you can feel free to open these up if you want to take a look. I, I thought I, I fixed that link. 
I was just in Lubbock, Texas the last two days teaching a, a digital storytelling workshop. I thought I had fixed both these links. Interestingly, I learned the son of one of the prominent superintendents around Lubbock is the Promethean representative. And so curiously, 35 of the 55 districts around Lubbock all have Promethean boards, and that's what they all have. Now here in Edmond, I think, the school district has purchased exclusively smart boards. And we have a smart board in our room, and that's what we're going to use is, is the smart board. Does anybody know what makes a difference between the boards? Um, has anybody used one, like in your field experience? or? Okay. How, anybody use a Promethean board or had access to one? What do you definitely want to be sure of on a smart board that you don't do? Use a marker, right? Use some, use some kind of a pen to write on it. So sometimes you have signs that people go, do not mark on this with a regular marker. Um, the smart board is touch sensitive on the back side. It, it is like kind of padded. I have never seen one that does. Maybe they come out with a new one, but every smart board I've ever used is that's a huge no-no um, to use them. So I mean, that, and that's an important thing to, to know. Well, and this is, this is a difference. The Promethean board is, is different, and it uses a stylus um, to activate it rather than just your finger. Um, and so the smart, they're, they're a little bit, there's, a little, there's some differences in how they're activated. One of the biggest differences is software. If smart ruled the world, and maybe they kind of do in some schools, they would love it if every lesson you made was in the smart notebook software. Why do you think they would love that? Because you are tied to their product. You are using their stuff. You are licensing, and if you've got to have an upgrade or whatever, you're always doing stuff in their product. Similarly, I think Microsoft has been real happy that when people thought of computers, they thought of Microsoft Office, right? Well, we have to use Word. We've got to use PowerPoint. We've got to send more money to Bill Gates. I mean, you can if you want, but there's a lot of ways today to do presentations and word processing without, you know, being in that particular uh, vendor's software and, and being in their environment. So those are probably the two best-known whiteboard uh, solutions. However, there's more, but there's more. Um, this used to be called Interwrite, I think. Now it's called the Moby, and it's been bought by e-instruction. I really think this has potential to be transformative in a way that the whiteboard is not. What do you think could be transformative about this compared to what we have in our room? I mean, up here on the wall on the left, that's the white, that's the smart board that we're using. What, what would be different about this? It's handheld. What else? They charge. Mm-hmm. Now they charge up. I mean, yeah, so you'd have to have them charged, and if they weren't charged, they wouldn't work. I mean, that would be a kind of a negative. I mean, it's very engaging. Yeah, because who gets to touch it and hold it? Exactly, and you get more than one. With the regular whiteboard, you just have one person probably, maybe two, up at the front. And the whiteboard is not multi-touch. When I was on the iPad and, and we were doing the music stuff, you could press more than one time. The whiteboards that we have now allow for a single touch, not for multi-touch, two, two at one time. 
So these kinds of boards, and it depends on the school, and you're going to want to ask this when you interview. What is the technology that's available? Will I have an interactive whiteboard in my room? Um, what, what type will it be? And you may you know, be letting them know, well, I've worked with um, SmartBoard and developed lessons with the SmartBoard, and you know, I'm familiar with, with some of that. Because that can all be beneficial. Uh, if, if, you know, schools are hiring. They want to know, generally, that in addition to working well with kids, you know, you're able to work with technology. And so the, the whiteboard and the interactive whiteboard is something that a lot of people may ask about. So I, I see far fewer of these kind of boards than the regular smart boards, but those are, um, some people are real big fans, and some school districts will, you know, they'll commit. We are going to be an uh, e-instruction um, district. We're going we're gonna to use the Mobies, and that's, that's what we're going to go with. Um, this is another one called Mimeo. One of the things that you're going to see, and we're not going to go, go through today, but you're going to see response systems that go with these. Have any of you in class used a response system? Yeah. What, do you happen to know what kind it was or what class? Was it here at UCO or was it? Or was that? Right. And so the instructor would ask you some questions. Uh -huh. Yeah, clickers is another way people will talk about them. So th these companies are creating and manufacturing those devices and being able to have immediate access to student data. Um, I mean, that can, that can be a big thing, right? One of the funny stories about that, Texas Tech, there's, there's a couple different versions. Some are, are uh, infrared, meaning line of sight, like your remote control on your TV, and others are RF, a radio frequency, which means they can go through walls and stuff. RFs are um, a little more robust. And they had this business, the intro business class, they used those, and that's how they did attendance. This is a freshman class. So what do you think happened? Ah, yes, some students would come to class with five remotes, and they would be checking in for all their classmates. Um, you know, there's always going to be ways to get around things. But the idea that I can have access to immediate feedback, what do you know, what do you not know, um, you know, that that can be positive. Um, overall, the vision that I advance for technology and learning in the classroom is not just, ooh, we're doing multiple choice now with a calculator, you know, or that's okay, and there are people that are excited about it. Um, I'm much more excited about students doing projects and creating things than I am, you know, we're doing the same, we're serving the same meatball sandwich or the same biscuits and gravy. It's just, you know, a little digital now. Um, so anyway, you're going you're, you're gonna to see different options and different tools. Uh, this one is one that I think, I, I, I used this a couple weeks ago, didn't I, with my... Um, iPad, and so you can use the software to um, basically replicate everything, that, uh, especially if you have the SmartBoard software on your computer. That, that's one of the best things that you get when you have a, a whiteboard, is you get access to the software, and so... This is, a, this is an example this, of, a, of an iPad um, software that would allow you to do that if you didn't have access to the SmartBoard software. All right, so this is going to change, too. I'm telling you this right now in, what, April of 2011. Somebody's going to buy somebody else, and, you know, 
There'll, there'll be, the names will change, but the function is going to be a, a lot very similar. Here, under Smartboard Use 101, I have given you links to four different documents which will provide us with some, some basics as far as how these programs work and, you know, how do I, how do I use them. This first one, um, and I'm not going to print these, and I'd encourage you not to print them now. I mean, it's good to save paper um, if you need to, and you could, but uh, these, are, these are PDFs. Um, basics of the screen. Look up, um, and I probably go up here and just do this. Um, there's a light on currently on our whiteboard, and if you're on the left side, you may not be able to see it because it's over here, but it's a green light. That's a good sign. If it was red, it would mean the connection to the computer is not working good. And that is, you know, one of the first, first things that we're going to look, look for is for our ready light. Now, if the whiteboard is all set, I'm going to be able to just touch it and it's going to work. But a lot of times, it's not oriented right. So, many whiteboards, many smartboards, will have two buttons up here that are called the pen tray buttons. One of them makes a right mouse click, and the other one brings up a keyboard. If I push this top one, it brings the keyboard up so I can type. It's really not great to type. I put a student on your computer and let them type in. You're going to have to type stuff in. Better to have your links and everything ready. You don't have to go back and forth to your computer or, or type. But when I push both of those at the same time, it brings up this. And this is my orientation menu. And I can simply push in the middle. But a trick that will help get it oriented supposedly better is to take a pen and put it down somewhere and draw to that point. This is the default orientation menu. Draw on a page, and so they're called notes. 
And so writing and erasing notes. You can see that around the border here, I've got a box, and then I have a little X here, and I can X that out so that can be gone. You can mark up anything that you would like to, uh, to mark up, and you can save it. So if, for instance, I wanted to say, you know, circle this, I can write, write down Morgan. I can choose, instead of Xing it out, this piece of paper with a little flashing sun by it. And that clears the page. I guess the picture, there we go. The picture, the camera, is going to take a picture of that and it's going to save it into software called the Smart Notebook. Now, for your assignment for this class, you're going to create a very simple five slide or more, but do five, notebook pro, um, program that's going to have to do with the lesson. And you can think about this a lot like um, a PowerPoint, okay? Yes. And all our computers have the smart notebook software loaded. And if you'd like to open it right now, you can do that. Just go to the start menu, choose all programs, and somewhere over here, you should have a folder called Smart Technologies, and it's going to say Smart Notebook. And the program that you want is called Smart Notebook 10. I went through national certification for smart board training, except I didn't pay $2,000 to take the test, because I didn't really want to do that. But I was uh, in St. Louis about a year and a half ago. I had a chance to go through their training. All of the training that's available for Smart Notebook is actually available online. And we're using materials from their training um, that, that I've linked to here. So a lot of teachers will use the Smart Board mainly as an overhead projector. And that's not horrible, but there are more things that you can do with the Smart Board than just project. Um, I'm, you know, sometimes when I've been in here, I've tried to touch this. Um, you know, if I've got a smart board, there are more things that I, that I can do. So, over here, um, is, this is my smart notebook software, and I'm going to have slides that I can load up um, to have my lesson, to have it prepared. So, that was smart board basics. Now, the smart notebook. I'm going to open the second link now to smart board tools. And you may have noticed before in class this little floating toolbar that's over on the left side of the screen. You can move this over different places. If you like it on the right, you can move it to the right. Uh, you, you can move it around. But this allows you to have access to different tools for the smart board. And you can click this button here to hide and to show the tool. The smart software has to be installed on your computer. Probably three years ago, anybody could download the smart software, put it on their computer. Didn't have to have a serial number. Didn't have to pay any money. Anybody could get it. What smart found was that people would do things like create a smart board using a Wii remote. Anybody find that video or find information about that? A really smart, easy guy who figured out if you like taped or, or mounted a Wii remote and then used um, 
a special pin, infrared pin, you could make any surface into a smart board or into an interactive whiteboard. So smart decided they only want people who buy their product to use their software. So now you have to have a serial number. And there's a serial number um, on the back, and it may be somewhere here too. We have a smart board somebody donated to our church. And so um, I had gotten that serial number since I was going to teach with it. I was able to download the software and have it. So um, there, the tools that, that it provides, though, are very similar to other environments like Promethean and, and these other, these other uh, software vendors. So notebook software is what we're going to work in the most this morning. Recorder. I can record everything that I'm doing and make like a screencast. Okay? So you can use that recorder to teach a mini lesson. Or you can have a student come in and teach a mini lesson. And if I click here in my corner, did you have that on your, in your taskbar, a little blue? And that's, it may have a little X on it. Funny that yours has an X and mine doesn't. It doesn't have the smartboard connected, right. So, but you've got the software. If you click in the system tray, bottom right corner, on that blue square that has a, looks like a white CD on it, that, these are the tools that are available for your smartboard. And so, if I click recorder and that comes up, my recorder should allow me to push this button just like we have with screener. And now, everything I do on the screen, everything I say, I have a microphone attached is going to be recorded to a file that I can do something with. I can share that. So we don't have to do that? Nope, nope. This is extra stuff. The only thing you're going to have to do for your assignment is to create a short screen tap. Um, <laughs> create a short five slide. And we're going to actually do oh, one. Uh -huh. Yeah, in fact, we'll do one that you can start today and um, you can probably just, you know, tweak it a little bit. Okay, so Windows Media File, it's going to create a video, but are you sure I want to delete that? Yeah, I don't want to have that. Okay, that's the smart recorder. You have a video player, so you can play a video inside the SmartBoard app, the notebook software, and then you can draw over that. And then you have these other, these other drawing tools. So let me show an example here with our curriculum. You can go to any web page that you want, and uh, I'll go to our our assignment for this week. Okay, I'll go to assignments for week 14. This is our interactive whiteboard assignment. Okay, we're going to need five pages about a topic. What's happened here? The orientation is messed up. So I don't know why this.
color and different thickness. Okay? And this is going to be our sweet portfolio. I didn't save it. Okay? i got to save my tool properties. Oh, I messed up. So, we have our eraser. Pick up our eraser. Erase that. Now I've got my highlighter. This is our E14 assignment. Oh, think about this is the upper fit of the yellow. But you'll have default colors and things like that, and then you can change them. I guess remember to click save properties. Um, these are the pins, okay? So I can go ahead and, and go to the pin. Instead of picking up the pin, I just click over here, and I can write with my finger, I can write with a pen that I pick up. Um, this space, this right, this um, has a, just a, a lot of times I'll just pick up the pen instead of going here. But there's, this is called the window shape, all right? So if I was going to do a lesson, I was going to, I wanted to surprise you. We're going to talk about the interactive whiteboard lesson. You're going to see at least one page that has your topic on it. And so you can kind of unveil different pieces. This is sort of a bad slide we use. Why? Why is that like horrible? Size of the font, right? Yeah. It's really small. And so when I'm going to create a lesson, I'm going to use a larger font, and I'm not going to just, you know, use 10 or 12 point font. But that's kind of cool. That's called the window shape. Um, how do I get window shape off? Oh, I can window shape either way, too. Yes, very good. Thank you. By the way, never be afraid to ask your students for help. Okay? doesn't matter how much training you take and how smart you are. The way the technology is going and, and the different, you know, the different things that are used, we're always going to run into situations where we don't know. So, yes, thank you. Especially when you're in front of the class and maybe you're nervous and maybe, you know, yeah, it's okay to not know the answer and to have them help. And maybe they'll need to come up So, I'm going to X that out and it's gone. Notice that as I've been annotating this page, I've got this background all the way around. And I should be able to click my camera here and have a picture taken that didn't go here into my smart notebook. I just closed my, I just closed my notebook. Um, so we'll play with this a little bit more to figure out what's going on. The one other thing I was going to show, I don't know where this is, there, you've got quick buttons to get to these things, but here are all the different tools that you can get to. There's this button here that, that goes to all the tools. There's one called the Spotlight. This is kind of that button. So do you have a specific topic this has to be on? No, uh, if you have any topic you want. But how would you know what we're talking about? If you don't record it. It's, gonna, it's a lot like making a PowerPoint slide. We'll do that next in the notebook. But you're going to make slides and put text on it. What I want to show is there's a lot of different, 
There's a lot of different tools for marking up your screen and also for your lesson. I've just, I just dragged the uh, spotlight over here. And the spotlight can have different shapes and it can have different sizes. So let me go to my Go to my cursor. I'm on. I'm still on my highlighter, so I'll go to my cursor. Now I'm going to turn on my spotlight, and I can move my spotlight around to different parts of my screen. I don't know how many people actually use these um, a lot, but as you, especially with, if you find lessons that you want, you can change the transparency. that your lesson to hide and reveal different parts and you know make it more surprising than you're doing your lesson. So this is the toolbar. When smart tools are installed, you get to customize your toolbar. Um, I I uh, rag the spotlight over there. Uh, there's other tools that you can move, screen capture, uh, calculator, things like that. What I'd like to do now is talk about the smart notebook software. And in fact, instead of launching it there, you have this little tray on the side of your screen now. You can, if you have it, and it'll have a default set of buttons, that there's a blue square that has a notebook, <coughs> that'll launch your smart notebook. And so what I want to show you now is how to create uh, your notebook and basically how to do your assignment for this grade, okay? Your assignment says you need to have at least five pages a title slide <coughs> with your name and class period, um, an image that has attribution, so like our Patrick Kujo, you'll say where that image came from, a link to a Wikipedia article, a link to another website, and at least one smart notebook interactive. So let me show you how to do those things now. Think about this as PowerPoint. It's just some fancier options, and it works with the smart board. Okay? Um, PowerPoint will start with one slide. How do you think we put it in more slides? Yeah. Look, uh, you might be able to write and go. Those are brilliant. Uh, maybe go to the insert menu, and yep, there's a place that says uh, blank page. Maybe I can right click, so I'll push my right mouse button. Click here. Yep, sure enough, insert blank page. Um, all of those ways to work. So go ahead and insert for yourself uh, five, so four more pages. Okay, so you can go to insert, blank page, or right click. The, the little green tab up there works too. Awesome, that's right. Thanks for the reminder. Yes, the blank page with the green dot. New blank page. Always more than one way in programs like this to do a tab. So, like PowerPoint, we've got five different slides here, and we can put content on them. You're going to be turning in this file. You're not going to write a blog post about this. You're just turning in the file and it's going to have your stuff in it. So, we need to put a picture here on our page. How are we going to do that? Think about Creative Commons. I did a link here on your assignment uh, to copyright friendly image sources. I'll open this up in a new tab. So, we talked about different places to get images. And we talked about Creative Commons, and we've got CompFight and Flickr Creative Commons searches, all these things. So I will 
This is the case where I'll use my keyboard to get a little bit awkward to do. Um, it's probably better to have this search done in advance. But I can bring my keyboard up here, and I can go ahead and type whatever I want, search for it, X that out. So now we'll do a search for lightning. So I'm going to get a lightning picture, and I'm going to need to get the image source for where it came from. So I'm going to actually start uh, with that. I'm going to just copy the address of where it came from, and how do you think I'm going to put that in? Very good. Right click. Put it down. Right click. So just right click, paste, and it should bring it in. It's bringing it in as a text box that I can move and put wherever I would like. Okay. So I put in the source, and now I'm going to get this picture. Remember that you can click under Actions and view all the sizes. I think you get this when you right click um, as well. And I'm just going to, in this case, probably copy the image, and then I'm going to come in and paste it. Okay? So here's my picture, and I'm giving my credit for where the picture came. Now, if I, you could, yeah, and if I was going to make that kind of Pechacucha style, really big, what would I want to make sure for the text that I put on? Contrasting color. If I've got a dark background, I want a light text color and vice versa. So it's up to you. Um, I'm going to probably just have mine in the middle here. How do you think I put text up, up uh, above? Yes. Or you just click with your mouse and start typing. There's also a text tool. And I can also write. And I'm up there with a pen. You, I think you can do that too with your mouse, but it's a little more awkward. So. However you want to do that. Okay? It's going to be lightning. And then I'll say west 9 a.m. Okay? If you want your, I want your name and your section in there. All right. So I'm done with that slide. Next thing it says that I need. What's that? No, I just watched um, I need a link to a, to a Wikipedia article. So let me go to Wikipedia and find a lightning picture. I'm going to save myself from typing lightning again. I'm up here by just copying that.
There's always going to be this little box that you can click. Your screen's oriented. <laughs> that is going to give you more choices of things that you can do. You can change the order. Like you can make a collage of things. What's on top? What's on bottom? That would be the order. You know, send it back. Send it to the front. You can also include links. You can link it to a web page. So I could, now that I've copied that web page, I could paste that link, and now that image has a globe, and it will actually go to my link. Now, feel, feel free to use, you know, multiple images. That's probably a great way to use, just like PowerPoint, a great way to use your whiteboard is to have images. Um, so what I want to point out is you can make this a link, and so when I click on it, it's going to go to the page, or I can make an image of it. But you're going to need to include at least one link. Now, up until this point, you've just been in the notebook software sort of editing mode. There is a presentation mode, and up here at the top, you'll see different buttons. And this one that has the white arrows and triangles going to the corner, that is presentation mode. So when I'm using my SmartBoard lesson, I will probably be here in my presentation mode, and I'll go through my slides, and it should be the case now, I made this a hyperlink, that if I click on this image, okay, I click on the globe, what happened? It jumped out of the SmartBoard software, notebook software, and took me to my web page. Okay? So, that is the presentation mode for your SmartBoard software. I've got a picture, I've got my name, title, I need a hyperlink, I need a hyperlink to another website, and then I need at least one SmartBoard digital interactive. What is that one? What's an interactive? Over here on the side, you've got some tabs. These show my pages, and you can, you can, and you have groups, you can make more complicated smart board uh, files. In fact, one of the things I'm going to show you is there are hundreds of lessons that other teachers have created, right? So if you're going to teach slope, how to graph lines and, and do slope, and you go search for lessons that other people have done, you can download them and use them. You don't have to create it from scratch. These are files that are included in your smart notebook um, file, and then this is things that you can do with colors and elements. <coughs> Go ahead and click on the second tab. It looks like a picture frame. There's a gold frame and a picture of, I guess, a mountain with the moon shined by it. These are gallery items that are included in the smart notebook program, and the one that's been downloaded here. At the time the smart notebook software is installed, whoever installs it decides, do I want the math resources in there? Do I want the geography resources in there? Do I want the um, you know, literature resources in there? They get to decide what things that they want. So I'm going to go to a blank page of my notebook. got my three pages here. And now when I click on the picture frame, I can find a lot of different resources. For instance, backgrounds and themes. You probably are going to want to search for things, but 
you can drag these out and take a look um, at them. And a theme, you could put on all pages. I'll just put it on the current page. It's going to be sort of like stationary okay, that you can put on to use. So all kinds of different um, themes. So, and I didn't say you had to do this and the requirement. This is optional. You don't have to, you don't have to do this. But um, lots of different themes that you can do. And these also include things like graph papers. So if I was going to be doing a lesson about math and graphing, you know, I can put a grid on there. And then I'm going to be able to come in with my pen and I can draw my lines and, you know, do whatever I'm going to want to do um, mathematically. So this, these, this is called the gallery. And there are all kinds of different things. For your assignment, I want you to include at least one interactive. And so I'm going to go to a blank page. And I'm clicking where it says interactive and multimedia. And I think I'll actually go to the back. It'll be easier for me to type these. Um, this isn't going to be part of your portfolio. This is really more exploratory. So you can just put in an interactive that you like and you think is, is fun, okay? Um, you know, you don't have to have this be, you know, a perfect lesson about a perfect topic. Um, what I had looked at earlier were things that had to do with graphing. Um, if you want to delete, you can always click up here in the corner on your objects and do things with them, like delete them. You can use the delete key too. Here's one that we found earlier. This is for graphing the slope of a line. And this is a pretty good example of uh, an interactive. So I go ahead and put in my uh, slope, which is my M value. What's my slope going to be? And then I do my coefficient on the Y axis. And then I can click the box and it'll commit compute the slope, which is the rise over the run. And this will let me zoom in and zoom out. So if I was going to be pre you know, presenting with this, I can use this um, with students. Students can go up and this is called an interactive. I would like for you to include at least one interactive in your uh, notebook that you create. Um, however, there's really, you know, there's not a requirement that it exactly match your lesson topic. You can um, go ahead and explore a little bit as you're doing this. I mean, in the gallery sampler, you can go in by area. So if I'm doing math, here are thir the 32 interactives that have to do with math. Again, that are loaded on this particular computer. There's a lot more too. Here's a calculator. Okay, so I can have this calculator, and uh, it'll actually output, you know, the result as I click this arrow. And, and there's there's a ton of different things. Dice. Hey, let's roll the dice. Okay, we got a four. Let's flip a coin. It's tails. Here's more than one, more than one die. How many die do I want? Uh, let's see. Let's roll five dice at once. 
presentation mode, click it, and there's my role. Okay? So <clears throat> being able to do that kind of thing is definitely different than PowerPoint. We don't have those kinds of interactive tools inside PowerPoint. And that, so I want you to be aware that this, your, what your, soft, your software um, has those available. And this is one of the best ways to use your whiteboard is to have um, interactive tools like this on it and then build these into your lesson so that, you know, we're doing probability, let's roll the dice, you know, more than just let's see a picture of dice. Let's interact with it and use it. All right. That is basically the crash course on the whiteboard. What I want to uh, wrap up with are just a few other resources that are on here. You don't have to include these resources, but I'm just going to bring them to your attention because I don't know about you, but I don't like reinventing the wheel. And so if I can borrow a lesson that somebody else has done and shared, man, that's great. I'd rather do that than just start from zero with a, with a lesson. So. <clears throat> Underneath these PDF files that I've given you, there's a link to the Smart Exchange. And this is a website that Smart has been developing with lots and lots of lessons about lots and lots of different content areas. So I can drill down here by content area. And let's say that I'm a fourth grade teacher. So I can say fourth grade math. And it's going to find 16, no sorry, 2,877 resources related to fourth grade math, and um, then I, I can you know, filter these in different ways. Uh, let me go to manipulatives. Here's 139 different manipulatives that relate to fourth grade math. Um, here's one for perimeter. I'm going to go ahead and click download, and I'm going to open this file. And because I have the SmartBoard software already loaded, it's going to load right up. These rectangles and squares represent the fields of a local farmer. Help the farmer measure the fields in order to build a fence around each. All right, so we can go to the next uh, The slide. perimeter is the length of the line that makes up the outside. This is pretty fancy. This has got recorded audio in it, and it's, it's a whole lesson that I can go through. What I want you to be aware of is that this exists. This is called the Smart Exchange. There are lots and lots of different lessons that other teachers and other places have created and shared openly for you to use. And Smart wants you to use these if you've got access to an interactive whiteboard. Similarly, Promethean, who's the other main um, creator of or manufacturer of smart boards, has something called Promethean Planet and this is their support environment. So they've got lots and lots of different resources about how to use their Promethean Active Board. And so you can go in and search for um, lessons and go into their community and, and uh, search for things. And some of our school districts in Oklahoma do use Promethean Boards, and that's the kind of software that you'll be using instead of the, the smart software. Um, last one that I have on here, or no, I guess it's in the middle, is just called Smartboard Revolution. And this is a Ning website. It's free to join. And let's see how many members there are. There's 8,371 members. This is a, a support network for whiteboards. And so people are asking questions, sharing resources, forming groups. Here's a group just for math school teachers that's been created. It has 82 members. And so they are sharing resources 
Here's download pre-made math graphs for the smart board. So this is a great community where you can go in and get stuff, but you can also ask questions and find resources. The last thing I'll mention is that even though Smart would love it if we all had smart boards, and Apple would love it if we all had iPads, the reality is we are in a diverse world, and it's not going to be the case that every student in every school is going to have the same kind of pencil or the same kind of tablet or the same kind of laptop. So I really think one of the best things we can do is build and utilize tools that are platform agnostic. And that means it doesn't matter what kind of laptop or what kind of tablet I have. And I've put some examples here for you. This is one of the, the most amazing ones that I just love. I, I taught math, you know, as a fourth grade teacher. And so I ended up using a lot of math resources. This is the National Library of Virtual Manipulatives. And if I'm a fourth grade math teacher and we're doing a geometry unit, I can select this. And these are all free virtual manipulatives that are going to allow students to do things interactively on a device or on a whiteboard. So you'll see a lot of different kinds of manipulatives. You may use tangrams, you may use pentominoes. And, you know, is it good to have the real thing? Of course it is. It's great to be able to use those. But as more and more classrooms and students are having access to digital technology, it's pretty neat to be able to have virtual manipulatives and to be able to explore and create and make stuff using these virtual manipulatives. So that's just one example. Um, another one that I think is a really good one is this uh, Roy the Tale of a Singing Zebra. There's not, I, this is one of the best ones I found. This is a completely free ebook. It's uh, created in the BBC. Um, you can go in and um, use the book to, uh, you know, basically read it together online, but there's a lot of different resources, and in some cases, um, I'm pretty sure there's sections that it'll read to the students. This is not a smart board or a Promethean board specific tool. This will run on anybody's system, and it's an example of uh, digital manipulatives and digital curriculum. Um, there's more that I've got here. Explore Learning Gizmos. If your school happens to subscribe to this, this isn't free. Um, over 450 interactive uh, online simulations. You know, hey, let's breed rats and let's find out what happens when we have the, the white-haired rat and the black-haired rat. Well, you're probably not going to do that experiment in class, but guess what? You can do that simulation online relatively easily. And that, that is an amazing uh, digital manipulative site that's called Explore Learning Gizmos. So, I think we're out of time. Don't spend more than, you know, two hours putting together your lesson for your unit plan, don't spend more than an hour or so on this activity. I mean, don't spend six hours. And, and that's important because sometimes we, we did that on scratch. We have to work on this in here. Or the uh, checkout lab. All the computers here at the college have this software on it. So don't feel like this is going to have to just be a perfect, amazing, wonderful I've given you basic requirements. I'm looking for minimum requirements, okay? Have one picture, say where the website is. Have at least one digital manipulative. Uh, have a hyperlink to Wikipedia and a hyperlink somewhere else, your name and a title. How That's basically you it. Save it. You will save it, great question, just like you would save another file and put it on your flash drive. And you'll be turning it in 
to WebCT. It can save on your flash drive. Okay. Oh yeah, it saves just like a Word file or a PowerPoint will. Okay. okay. All right. Have a great week, and we'll see you on Wednesday next week. Yeah. So would you like a CD? Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh-huh. And don't worry about, you know, getting it done Friday since you just got back today. Just get it done as soon as you can. I'm going to get one too then. Yes, go right ahead. I do have a question about...